Blog Talk Radio. There have been so many events uh, that we would like to catch our listeners up on, uh, including not only the uh, the protests, your arrest, post arrest, and where things stand with the mayor. So let me let me go here. Uh, Portland Mayor Charlie Hales is calling for an independent investigation on the Portland Police Bureau. This comes after a video surfaced on social media showing the arrest of Kat. And uh, I would like to get your direct take as an eyewitness. Um, how would you describe those events and how do the events kind of differ with the PR spin that we're seeing from the city of Portland? Uh, give, it, give us a bird's eye view. What, what happened during this incident? Sure, yeah. So the Portland police and the city were saying that we were arrested um, for telling kids to disobey lawful orders, um, which is not true because we were never in direction of that march. We were just there to, like, advise them if they asked us any questions because they had never marched before. Um, So but the police were telling us all day, we get to arrest you today, even before the incident where they say we broke the law. Um, eventually they decide to arrest me and then after that they arrest Kat um, and that's where you see that video of the police yanking on her head which they continued to do aside from just that video Um, and so it's funny because um, everybody, the mayor included, uh, was going along with the narrative that we had broken the law and that's why that happened once the video comes out the mayor says he wants an independent investigation, um, uh, but I don't trust that he really does want an independent investigation because I think that if we independently investigate, we're going to find out that he uh, ordered our arrest because the day before, he had called me to ask me to be a part of his March of Hope, and I declined, and then within 24 hours, I was arrested. Um, the police report. Uh, were released by the police. They're kind of in full panic mode since the video of Cat's arrest came out um, where they released all of our personal information um, and a lot of police reports that um, are already full of lies that the video already shows that they lied in their police reports. Um, The ACLU wrote a letter um, to the city uh, condemning our arrest. So it's really bad for the cops right now. and they're, you know, in full panic mode, but um, they messed up, so they should just admit it. Well, I, I want to ask you about that. So procedurally, as far as the sitting mayor of Portland goes, keep in mind that he is the, uh, the lame duck. He's the uh, soon-to-be-replaced mayor of Portland. But procedurally, an independent investigation makes sense. Don't you think that uh, he would be beyond backpedaling? There would be absolutely nothing defensible if he didn't call for the independent investigation at this point, I think he had to make that move. Yeah. Whether, whether you want to consider PR. Yeah. He had to make that move, but the independent police review, um, hardly ever finds that there was excessive use of force. Um, it's hardly independent. I mean, just him saying that he's ordering the independent police review board to investigate already means that it's not independent. Um, so, you know, I don't have any trust in that board, but I do have a little bit of trust in our courts, and I think that's where this is going to be worked out. 
let's talk about the police tactic used on on Cat. So, um, you described in a recent interview that uh, they were grabbing onto her head. The police video, or I'm sorry, the social media video that's been released shows a tactic called the Mandibular Angle Pressure Point for Pain Compliance, which the uh, actual Portland police officer went on record as saying that this was a tactic that he was trained to use and he exercised his training. So I know this is kind of a uh, either-or question for you, Greg, but what's worse at this point, the fact that the officer used this uh, pressure point tactic on Catherine or the fact that he was trained to do so by the Portland police as part of his job? Um, I think there's a lot of parts to that. So for one, I don't think that's what he was doing. Um, the video shows him like literally yanking her head, which is not part of that procedure. Um, also, that's supposed to be used if somebody is not complying with an order and only in extreme circumstances. Um, she was just sitting there. So there's no reason to use pain compliance to try and make somebody hurt when they're just sitting there. Um, in his police report, he said that it was because um, he thought she was going to spit on him um, for no reason and that he then ordered her to look away um, and that she didn't look away. But you can tell in the video, for one, there's nothing to think that she was going to spit on him. And then for two, she wasn't looking at him. And three, he never told her to look away. So um, they're already lying in their police report. It's really bad for them. Um, but I don't think that that use of pain compliance should be taught in the first place. But if it is, they should teach them when to use it and also how to do it, because if that's what he was trying to do, he did a really bad job. Understand. Um, I want to ask injuries to Kat. Um, so the the police are saying that they asked if she had medical issues or she was hurt, and she said that she thought she had a broken thumb. But our understanding is that the injuries and the situation was much more severe. Well, you, you were there. You're an eyewitness. So yeah. will you tell us some of the ways in which she was injured and some of the circumstances surrounding her injuries? Yeah, so she had a sprained elbow, a sprained hand, um, and also, like, um, problems, probably, like, internal bruising in the stomach. Um, and then, obviously, she had marks on her, her uh, neck. Um, from from the police grabbing her uh, as well as her face. Um, so the police report says that she refused medical treatment, um, which is not true. They came into the jail and asked and said, you know, we heard that your hand is hurt um, and then looked at it and then said, yeah, it's brain, there's nothing we can do for you and then basically left. Um, and she said, okay, well, well, then I guess I'll get medical treatment when I leave here. But she's in the jail in and out of consciousness because of pain, and nobody's helping uh, her out whatsoever, which I think is intentional. And, and if I understand correctly, Greg, um, there was a trip to the hospital or emergency room almost immediately upon release. Is that true? Yeah, we rushed her from the jail to the emergency room where we stayed for, for hours on end. And, and the injuries that you just described were the findings of doctors once she was there. Is that correct? Correct. Um, just calling for your opinion, not not a legal statement. Does that put any negligence on the jailers for not tending more seriously to someone with that level of injuries who is in custody? Um, I think we have negligence and recklessness throughout the process from the arrest all the way until when we were released. And even after that, as they... Um, 
know that we're getting death threats and still decided to release all of our personal information. So I think that the police are messing up at every single level here. Um, I don't think it's accidental, and I think that eventually they're going to have to pay for it and answer for it. Now, LGBTQ America has been able to independently verify that we were able to look through public police records that are still online, at least as of 24 hours ago, and we were able to view what we believe is your home address. As of tonight, have you been able to determine if your public information is still out there or if they've redacted it? It is. They put out a statement today saying that they believe that it is um, okay for them to put out our information. The thing is, it's still within their discretion if they wanted to do so. There was no public need for our address and phone numbers to be released. They knew that, um, and, and they did it on purpose, knowing that we're getting death threats. I don't think they would shed any tears if these death threats came true. So among the three parties arrested on the 21st, which was, of course, yourself, Cat Stevens and Micah Rhodes, did they disclose all of your information publicly in these reports? Correct, yes. Tell us about the types of threats. You said you were receiving death threats. Does this include phone, mail, social media? Like through what means are you being threatened, if you could, if you're allowed to say? Yeah, mostly phone and social media. I haven't checked my mailbox in a while, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it in there also. Now, um, the ACLU of Oregon sent a letter directly to Mayor Hales and Chief Marshman. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple quotes here. Last night, we learned that the Portland Police Bureau uh, targeted individuals for arrest, which is constitutionally protected speech that's prohibited by law. PDX resistance organizers were singled out for arrest despite engaging in activities similar to peaceful protesters in their vicinity. From our view, the only distinguishing characteristic is their role as leaders in other recent protests that were publicly opposed by your offices. So essentially the ACLU has come out in taking a defensive position of yourselves and the PDX resistance and saying that the Portland mayor and the police bureau may have overstepped their authority and could be subject to various lawsuits or legal challenges. Am I interpreting this correct? Yeah. Um, that, that does, is exactly, does that remain yeah. does that remain at your discretion whether or not to uh, pull a lawsuit or would this be something more official with the involvement of organizations like the ACLU or would it be private lawsuits? Um, we are currently working with the ACLU, um, but also with other attorneys, just trying to find our best way to move forward. Um, but there, it um, will be filing notice of a lawsuit next week. Okay. Video of your arrest was also included on several outlets. I believe KPTV Channel 12 had video of the arrest, Mike Bivens and a few others. Um, is there anything from uh, how you were personally treated and handled during the arrest that you would like to note for our listeners? Um, I'm sorry. You cut out at the end there. What was that? Oh, okay. Um, sorry. Going back to your arrest, uh, obviously you and Kat were arrested at the same time, but going back to your arrest, since it's on video from multiple outlets, from you know private individuals to news organizations, and we've seen the video, is there anything that you noted or would like the listeners to know about your arrest and how you were personally treated? Sure. Well, I don't, 
I don't feel that they um, used a ton of excessive force on me, um, other than the fact that the arrest was excessive. I was doing the exact same thing as everybody else in the vicinity. I was not leading the march. Uh, I didn't have a, a leadership role in deciding what the march route was going to be or what any of the students were going to be doing. I was only there to try and make sure people were safe and to answer questions um, for people that had never been out in the streets marching before. Um, so... So the fact that I was arrested and it was only our core organizers that were arrested that day is not a coincidence, especially given that we did not do anything differently than the other people there. Now, you were marching with a, a high school group at that event, I believe. So there were eyewitnesses from the school and from the marchers, people that saw the arrest. Um, I'm sure that between everyone that you know, uh, people that are supporting PDX resistance and everyone that you know personally, I'm sure people have reacted to the news of your arrest. What uh, what type of support and reactions are you getting from people right now? Um, I think anybody that comes into this with, you know, an open mind can tell that uh, what happened was wrong. Um, you can't just only arrest um, somebody because they have protested in the past. Um, I was doing everything the same as anybody else at that protest. And the police obviously targeted me, and I think it was an order from the mayor, um, who's also our police commissioner, um, based on on me declining his invitation to his March of Hope that was supposed to be the next day. And you did tell us uh, officially before in our prior interview that you do not directly consult with or speak with the mayor. Do you have any type of back-channel go-betweens, or is all of the communication essentially what you guys do and then the counter-reaction as far as hearing what the mayor and the Portland police response is through the media. Do you have any type of direct or back-channel communications, or is it all not directly talking to each other at this point still? Um, they, We heard word through an attorney that they refused to meet with us anymore, um, but but I don't have any interest in ever meeting with the mayor, and I, I wouldn't have wanted to anyway. Um, he happened to have called me um, and, and I answered and didn't know the number to invite me to that March of Hope. But I don't have any interest in talking to this outgoing lame duck mayor because he has very little power other than to keep arresting me, and I don't think talking to him is going to stop that. Um, but but basically all the conversations that we're having with each other are playing out in the media right now, and, and I, I think we're winning that conversation. I understand. And so the the movement, the organization that you're working with, the PDX Resistance, um, is obviously a new group, and this is in response to the election of President-elect Donald Trump. I just want to make sure that that's clear what the initial focus of this whole movement was. So we've seen that the protests have moved out of the streets. Is it uh, taking on another form? I mean, I know we're still a little bit away from January 20, but the PDX Resistance is not... Uh, a closed business. It's an open organization. Are you guys reformulating or working toward the next step? It, it no longer seems to be a nightly protest. What, what's the current uh, status, so to speak? Um, yeah, so we are going to continue to protest, but from the start we wanted to advocate for specific policy changes in our area to insulate ourselves not with a wall or physical boundaries, but rather with policies from the policies of Donald Trump. So what that looks like is, is making sure that we're pushing for those policies in many ways. One of those ways is protesting, but another one of those ways is showing up at City Hall and making our voices heard, and that's uh, and also educating people, and that's something that we are 
um, working on and will continue to do um, throughout the next four years. Definitely. Um, I want to ask you something Trump-related. Give me one second here. Okay, great. A group yeah. of Democratic senators led by U.S. Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon has called for President Obama to declassify and release more information about Russia's involvement in the U.S. election. Wyden, along with six other senators, signed a letter sent to Obama on Tuesday of this week. These are all members of the Senate Intelligence Committee. Ron Wyden is quoted as saying, we believe there is additional information concerning the Russian government and the U.S. election that should be declassified and released to the public. We are conveying specifics through classified channels. Uh, and then uh, Wyden additionally notes, I have only asked for information to be declassified and released 12 times. So uh, if we could speculate, it basically Senator Wyden and his team have seen something highly of interest to them that they feel it is pertinent for the American public to know about Russia's involvement in the election. Do you have any, any reaction to the possibility of what that could be and what we know so far? Yeah, that's tough. Um, I don't, we're kind of in unprecedented territory right now. I don't know. Um, even if that comes out, I don't know if that changes the results of the election, but I do believe that the American people have the right to know who's influencing our, our elections. And I hope that Obama does release that information because I doubt that Donald Trump will once he becomes president. Correct, correct, exactly. Now, um, basically looking at the final days here of the Obama presidency and the big picture, I'm sure you see the cabinet building happening in the Trump administration, uh, multiple calls uh, from all sides of the aisle for Trump to disavow and uh, decline some of these cabinet members that appear along yeah. the white nationalist side of things like Steve Bannon, Michael Flynn, and some of the people with an extremely controversial past. Uh, do you have any reaction to the type of cabinet that you see the president-elect forming before our very eyes? You know, I'm not surprised. This is the kind of stuff he ran on. Um, I was outraged when Bannon was, was brought on as part of this team, and I'm not surprised that he's now going to be part of the administration. Um, but this is what almost half of America voted for, and I don't think that we can be surprised, but we do have to resist. Uh, final question for you. Let's say if either President-elect uh, Donald Trump or even after January, President Donald Trump were to, say, make a visit to Portland, Oregon, <laughs> what, what type of a Portland response do you think President Trump would likely encounter? Yeah, Trump can't come here. I promise. Uh, he's, he just won't, and he can't. He just won't and can't. Okay. Very good. Um, any other thoughts that you would like to add for our listeners today, Greg? No, that's about it. Okay. Well, our continued best wishes, hopes, and prayers. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. 